And in America, it's like this concept of, well, I am what I do for a living, you know, like I am a doctor or I am a coach. It's not like I practice coaching or I do coaching, you know? And so I think there's a little bit of that in the culture here that like, whatever you're doing, that is your entire being. And so I think to like, take a step back and realize like, okay, you only have to really be energized and like love what you're doing maybe 20, 30% of the day. Jobs podcast season two. I'm your host Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to welcome Lisa, who is a career coach, um, to our podcast to talk a little bit about her career and how she got to this stage in her life. So, how are you doing, Lisa? I hope you're well. Yes, very well. Thank you so much. Hope you're doing well too, Adrian. Yeah, doing really good. Thanks. So, um, you know, just before um, we started the recording, I, um, I and Lisa were talking a little bit about you know how she got into where she are, where she is um, in her career. And she actually didn't start off as, mo- as most coaches do, I guess, not as a coach, but as you know, somebody who's um, in content before. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started off your career and, you know, your, I think you talked about your husband's uh, military background as well, which played, you know, a, a significant factor in your career. Yes, certainly. So I was in journalism. I was kind of traveling. I don't know about the world, but I went back to Italy where I grew up. And then I came back to America, Mm -hmm. uh, whisked away into the military lifestyle and um, wound up having, you know, a bunch of kids and left the full-time workforce to do freelance and consulting kind of work. And then um, hired a coach after I was in content marketing for a little while and decided, you know what, I really love doing this type of, I would really love to be a part of this world. And my husband was retiring from the military at the time, Um, actually would have been a great type of military spouse work to do career coaching because it's uh, very mobile. You can, you know, take it anywhere you go and it's pretty universal, but um, left the full-time corporate life in April to pursue my coaching full-time after I got my certification from the International Coaching Federation. So, yep, been on my own and loving it. So it's been a long journey, it seems. Um, And, you know, I was quite surprised when you said you got into content at first, because I don't think that's, you know, a typical route that that coaches take, you know, going from content to coaching. So, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about why you got into content? Yeah, sure. So journalism, kind of a natural progression, I guess, would be to go into content marketing once you're sick of seeing some small paychecks after a number of years. <laughs> but I did write a piece in for, Fast I'll, Company. At least you stayed yeah, for sorry. years, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in journalism probably for about 10, 15 years on and off um, freelancing but also full-time at the Boston Phoenix, at a TV station in Oklahoma City, like lots of different places. Um, But then I wrote a piece, a freelance piece in Fast Company and a startup CEO who was also in the military 
or sorry, he was a veteran. He read it and he was like, oh, you're a military spouse. Oh, you do content. I really love to, you know, support the community and would love to hire you as our content director. And I was like, I don't even know what this really means. So I'll give it a shot. And um, that kind of set me off into the content marketing content world. And I kind of bounced around in that area for a while um, before going to a sort of bridge role at the Association for Talent Development. It was in L&D, so I was kind of getting that, um, you know, learning and development, but also using my content skills, but also facilitating and organizing events and doing all kinds of fun things with these coaches and learning professionals. And so it really helped kind of solidify my journey into coaching um, and into the space more. Wow. Okay. I see. Um, I think, you know, obviously that was, you know, the pre uh, chat GPT uh, era, oh, yes. where, you know, mm-hmm. you, it takes, you know, hours or even days to turn out, you know, well-written articles. So mm-hmm. um, I've always been fascinated by how people don't get bored of writing content year after year because you know you know you might have best-selling authors you know who Mm -hmm. write a book but they don't do that you know full-time or you know even if they do it might be only for a few months and you know after that they you know they're on about their new project but you know as a Mm. content writer how how did you uh, find the motivation to keep yourself going Yeah, well, you know, actually, I feel like there's just a ton of variety in content marketing, which I really enjoyed from the switch of journalism. And I will say that, um, you know, there are a lot of people that do do writing full time, all the time, every day, books, articles, um, anything, you know, and now it definitely has become more very more of a variety because now you need to kind of be a jack of all trade in content. Like you can't just write, you also have to know how to do video and you also have to know how to do some sound editing. And, you know, you need to know all these tools and softwares and everything. Um, So it's a little bit different, um, but content marketing too, I felt like it, it was so creative and very, you had such a variety of forms that you could use and topics you could chase that there's a never ending um, stream of ideas, you know, if you're good at it. Plus after a while, I mean, I was still always writing, but I kind of got to the level where it was more strategy and like, you know, directing and managing. So while I did wind up doing a lot of the writing here and there to fill in, um it wasn't like I was writing every day all day long yeah I see I see so um how do you think your content um career helped you know establishing your own um coaching institute mm-hmm. yeah I would say that uh well communication skills is always very helpful right yeah. and while I'm good at writing I actually, I feel like I communicate better when I'm just kind of thinking out loud with people. So that really helps with coaching because, you know, as someone's talking, I am a little bit, I don't want to say scatterbrained, but um, I have lots of different voices going on in my head about like, what could this mean? Why this word? What is the connotation there? So having had those communication, that communication background really helps 
with uh, input and like generation of new ideas or avenues for where people are going with what they're talking about during session. I see. So communication is definitely, I think, you know, a common theme in your career, you know, from journalism to, sure. to you know, the coaching work that you're doing. So um, can you tell us, you know, how you set up your uh, coaching institute? Because I think that was only a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to clarify that, like, I'm not exactly an institute more as a uh, freelance or uh, coach by myself. So I'm not like taking on new people, although maybe one day, you never know, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, But yes, so I feel like I um, missed the question because I was thinking about that. (laughs) I was asking, um, you know, you started your coaching company a few months ago. So how you got, how did you get to that point? And, you know, was it a risky move on your side to to take? Oh yeah, sure. Definitely. Well, uh, definitely it was a little bit risky. Um, I was working at an e-learning platform and I had been through a number of reorganizations at the company and I was just kind of feeling like a little bit um, like maybe the skill sets and the hopes and dreams that I had come to the company with were not going to be met any longer. And so I started to really re-examine, okay, I'm in this pathway for myself and I'm doing the coaching on the side. I got my certification. I am build up uh, some clientele. I have lots of connections in this area. So should I just try to make the leap and go into this area that I know is very fulfilling for me? Um, and so after, you know, talking with my husband about finances and all that kind of stuff to make sure everything would be kosher there, uh, I jumped ship. And yeah, it's been, you know, incredible since it's, I really have to say that uh, the networks that you provide, they're not just, you know, out there as people that you can reach out to. They're also people that are just willing to create like a net underneath you to help you along the way. So it's just been incredible, the outpouring of like support and uh, referrals and things like that that have happened. Um, I don't really I'm not like a super religious person or anything but I feel like there's some kind of universe telling me that this was the right move because things have just I wouldn't say they're like incredibly easy but they just feel like this is the right pathway because things keep coming around yeah I think it's always surprising sometimes you know when you know as humans we find that others are helpful as well because it might be human nature to sometimes be a bit selfish but at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, a lot of people actually do enjoy helping others and you just have to get yeah. word out, you know, for people to help you. So totally. you also mentioned, you know, that you had your finances sorted to make sure you're ready to make this jump as well as your network. Um, what would What is the most important factor or are there any decisive factors that convince you in the end that I should jump ship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, having done career coaching (laughs) on the side for a while, Mm -hmm. it's like I started coaching myself, right? Um, 
how many hours a day am I actually feeling energized by my work? And how am I feeling at the end of the day? Do I feel like a more fulfilled and better human than I did when I started the week or the day? Um, so things like that played in. And then, of course, I never, you know, promote to anybody that they should just leave their job without another job in place. Um, and that's something that, you know, I had to make sure that we were like financially viable. We have children, you know, we have expenses, lots of things going on all the time. Um, so definitely the financial situation has to be set before you can consider leaving a very big steady paycheck behind. (laughs) So, um, yeah, obviously all factors to decide, you know, whether to actually quit your job and start a business. Um, so now that you are, you know, not just coaching yourself, you're taking on, you know, clients as well. Um, how would you advise people to take a balance between, um, you know, doing what they love and perhaps, you know, doing what they don't love as much, which means their nine to five jobs for a lot of people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because I always think back to like being in Italy, there was, uh, you, you say like, I do this job, like I have work and I do this job, but I, you never say like, I am this, you know, job. Mm-hmm. And in America, it's like this concept of, well, I am what I do for a living, you know, like I am a doctor or I am a coach. It's not like I practice coaching or I do coaching, you know? And so I think there's a little bit of that in the culture here that like, whatever you're doing, that is your entire being. And so I think to like, take a step back and realize like, okay, you only have to really be energized and like love what you're doing, maybe 20, 30% of the day. And then the rest of the time, it doesn't have to be like, you know, oh, I'm just, I adore everything about this job. And I think that's one of the things too, that people always misconstrue too, is that you're, if you're doing what you love doing, or you're doing what you like doing, even that you're not going to feel like it's work. Well, no, that I think that's like horse crap, really, like, it's going to be some work, you know, you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do, like, don't really want to go around creating like, one pagers about myself and things like that. But you have to do it because you know, you need more business or, you know, their paperwork and a lot of people who are consulting don't like to sell themselves, you know, so there's a lot of things that you have to do that you don't necessarily want to do, but that's going to be in any job. So the balance, I think Marcus Buckingham, he says like 20, 30% of your day has to be energizing for you. You Just like lose yourself in your work and you're happy about what you're doing. I really believe that that is true. Like 20 to 30% of the day, the rest of the day can be, you know, a little bit more of the drudge, but as long as you're getting like really energized that part of the day, then you're good to go. So, um, you know, for people who might be looking to change jobs or people who might be looking to start, you know, their careers, um, Mm -hmm. how would you advise them to find the most suitable um, industry, you know, to get into? Yeah, yeah, the industry is, is, is different, right? Because sometimes 
you could like, I'll just take the learning and development professionals because I've been working with them for a while. Um, they, a lot of them can jump from industry to industry. They could jump from like manufacturing, doing almost the same thing that they're doing now and put it into a retail position or something. Um, so I think as long as you're using the skills that really help you know, for your sake, like energize you. If you're a personality that needs to be in a group of people, you know, 20, 30% of the week that you're doing that. If you're the type of person that needs to be by themselves 60% of the time that you're doing, you know, those kinds of roles that are really fit for your personality. And then that are bringing out your strengths. Like I'm a big believer in the Clifton Gallup strengths finders. I think they just call them strengths now. But I do believe that, yeah, if you're using those strengths for yourself, that you're um, in your daily work, then then you're going to do your best work, but you're also going to excel faster than perhaps somebody who's not using their strengths. Um, So yeah, I think maybe necessarily the industry, but like the role and the types of things that you're doing are really fitting you as a person, which is, you know, so individualized, of course, because we're all individuals. So it's just very, uh, you know, it has to be kind of tailored to you. Because mm, um, a lot of people, um, it's, it's very normal nowadays to change jobs after two or three years or even change industries. But, you know, when this does occur, um, it can cause quite a lot of stress um, to people due to the uncertainty mm-hmm. involved. So um, I'm not sure if we can draw any parallels between you jumping ship from you know a corporate world to starting your business and people um, perhaps switching jobs in their careers. Like what are the oh uh, yeah yeah like what are the factors that people need to decide um, when they switch jobs. Yeah, well, I think it depends on a lot of things, like why you're switching your job, right? Like, are you switching your job because you kind of hit that S-curve plateau that you are bored, you've been doing the same thing for, you know, 10, five, whatever years, and it's almost like rote memorization at that point. It's just so routine. You're just so bored. You don't have a challenge. So to jump to a new challenge could be like you getting a promotion. It could be jumping to a new company. It could be a little bit more of that step up, but like in another role almost. Um, So it could depend a lot on why you're jumping. If you're jumping because of a boss uh, or a culture at an organization, you know, you can almost go through the stages of grief when you're doing a big change like that. You can feel like angry, you could feel sad, you have to have acceptance and all these other things that go along with a big change in your life. Um, But yeah, I think a lot depends on why you're switching, you know, and then stopping to re-examine like, is this move that I'm about to do the really the best way forward you know and coaches can help with that mentors can help with that um coaching yourself can help with that lots of different ways that you can go about deciding if making the shift is the best way forward for you or maybe maybe it's not maybe it's waiting a little while and working within the role or the company that you have to just change a few things and then maybe you would feel a little bit more fulfilled or better um so people's initial reaction a lot of the times is like, I just need to get 
out of here. I need to get out of here. I need to get away from this boss or this role or this company. And sometimes it can help just to think, okay, maybe a few months, maybe even a year, like how can I change something so that I feel a little bit better about what I'm doing or where I'm doing it. And then I can really gain the skills or the, uh, you know, professional development or whatever it is to then make a better jump out. Yeah, I always feel that, you know, um, irrational thoughts like, you know, a bad boss or a bad colleague and, you know, making an immediate career switch could come back to bite a lot of people um, mm -hmm. because you aren't really thinking of a higher uh, purpose in life, I guess you know, in, mm. and how your career fits into that. You know, I always find that, you know, for people to have commitment, there has to be something more than just money or more than just something they don't want, such as a bad boss, you know, in a, in a, in right. a new job. And for their careers to have a higher purpose in terms of how their jobs can benefit the community so that you're not just mm -hmm. working for yourself. So, you know, based on your experience, would you say, you know, that's like a similar case? Like, do you see a lot of clients, you know, who don't have a higher purpose and those are the ones that might struggle a bit, you know, in their careers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people are getting more mission driven nowadays. I do feel like, yes, inherently we all want is what is best for ourselves, you know, and our unit and our family which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong to say that like uh, just giving your best self to the world is not enough because then, you know, you're more productive and happy human. That's great. At the end of the day, that's great. <laughs> you're not doing yeah. anything bad for society at that point. That's great. But um, yeah, I think that people, especially the younger generations are coming up are more purposeful driven. So they want to know that companies have a mission. What is their stake in this mission? How can they help to create like a better world and a better, you know, society? So I think that people are becoming more conscious of that. And I think that people who are not forced into a job transition because there's a lot of people that I deal with that are going through like outplacement and they're you know in a job transition that they didn't necessarily pick for themselves so they're a little bit different but the people who I coach that have done it on their own volition and are wanting a change are usually doing it with that in mind of I'm at a certain spot in my life and I want to either give back more or I want to find something that makes me a better person for the rest of, you know, my community, my family, my, my universe. Right, right. I see. Yeah, I think people might be a bit more mission driven nowadays. I'm, I'm not sure if it's because of, um, you know, relative wealth that society has nowadays that mm -hmm. people to look for something else in their lives. So, you know, just Finally, before we end, um, do you have any um, advice for uh, people who are at the moment, you know, really struggling, you know, in their jobs? They might, you know, have a bad boss. They might actually want to make an immediate switch. Um, any processes that you have in helping people make a more perhaps scientific judgment um, about when, about if they should stay? or if they should leave. Yeah, I think that it is, yeah, it's definitely um, 
So if you have a toxic boss or a toxic work environment, you know, definitely it that is if you're financially able, you just got to go because there's there's no one person that's going to be able to change all of that. That has to be like you have to be very committed <laughs> and working with HR like this to change something like that. So that might be in your best interest to leave. If you have a, you know, and there's a lot of different types of uh, difficult or challenging bosses. So if it's somebody that at the end of the week, you don't have anxiety, just fill you up with any conversation that you're having with them, then there's a glimmer of hope. Uh, what can you learn from this boss? What, you know, there are, are certain books. There's one by uh, Mary Abijay that comes to mind called um, Managing Up. And that's a great book. It has all the different types of bosses that are difficult to work with and how you can work with them. Um, so yeah, I would say that if you're spending more than 20% of, or 30% of your week, like really stressed out to the point where it's affecting your sleep, your health, um, and your other relationships, then it's time to definitely go. If it's, if it's not at that level yet, then there is some hope and there are resources out there to help you kind of figure out how you can learn from that boss and then work within that boss or that culture to gain what you need to be able to then leave at a better, in a better spot than where you are now. Um, but yeah, if, if you're hitting that 30% where you are just, yeah, not sleeping, not eating well, not being a overall healthy human, then it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. So the overall um, lesson, I guess, is once you hit that 30% mark, then perhaps it's, it's time for you to consider something else. So, mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, it's, it's been a great time, you know, talking to you, Lisa. Wish you all the best you in your, um, you know, career coaching business. And um, remember, um, do like, subscribe um, to the Meaningful Jobs podcast, and I'll be including uh, Lisa's um, career coaching company. Um, the link, you know, will be on the description. So you guys can check it out. So thanks again, Lisa, for coming to the podcast, and wish you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye.